Story number one, Down to Earth, posted by ACK1308. Chapter one, it is said that when humanity first reached for the stars, 10,000 years ago, it took them forever to find intelligent life. In fact, it took them two forevers, because there was just two sapient races out there. I know, weird, right? One race was called the Diamac, once a towering behemoth of technological advancement. At their height, their culture had owned nearly a quarter of the habitable world in the galaxy. We're still finding the ruins of their settlements in the weirdest of places. But by the time humanity encountered them, they were a fading ghost of their former glory. They were down to just 50 worlds by then, and fewer every century. By the time humanity located the other race, at the other end of the galaxy, because why not? They were down to ten. Then one. Then none. Why? Nobody really knows for sure. It wasn't disease, as far as we can understand things. It wasn't war, either external or internal. Despite their track record for such things, humanity has disclaimed responsibility in this particular extinction event, and I tend to believe them. One of the reasons I say this is because of the other extinction event. These were the Radic, the other race humanity found. As far as we can tell, they were a biotechnological subject race of the Diamec that had created to serve it. The Radic gained sapiens about a thousand years before humanity left and encountered either species, and asked for freedom from their servitude. When they were rebuffed, they demanded it. Then... They took it. War came next. Well, it was nowhere near to being an extinction-level event. I personally think it was a fuse that was eventually brought down both races. Their forces pounded each other to oblivion for an indeterminate amount of time. From archaeological evidence, the war lasted more than a century. Then, apparently, realizing on both ends that even if they kept it up, they would drain the resources to the last drop. Neither one would win. They pulled back opposite sides of the galaxy, and there they declined, apparently until death. Humanity, the encountering of the Diamac, tried to make diplomatic contact. It was rebuffed repeatedly. The Diamac didn't want to meet them, didn't want to learn their language and talk with them, wanted nothing to do with them. Well, they didn't actually launch attacks at the human craft, they treated all approaches with the utmost of suspicion. This attitude was maintained until the last Diamec caretaker, and the last Diamec city, and the last Diamec world, took his place in the sarcophagus that he had prepared for himself, then gave the command that turned out the lights forever. Meeting the Radic answered a few questions about the Diamec decline, but not all of them. Radic and the humanity looked remarkably alike. I suppose encountering a race that bears the face of your most humiliating defeat would cause problems. While the Radic were a little more forthcoming than the Diamec, they were still intensely unhappy with humanity's presence. The humanity has only resembled Radic's progenitors in the most basic way. Two legs, two arms, one head. But humanity was freely evolved life from who numbered domestication amongst their many, many, many skills. They wanted nothing to do with any race that would subjugate another species to its will. 
I can't say that I really blame them, even though humanity has left slavery of sapient beings, their own race, far back to the distant roots of the pre-spacefaring days. Let me tell you, the lessons I attended on human history has sure opened my eyes. Like the Diamond, the Radic were in decline when humanity encountered them. Knowing a little more about them, it's possible to make an educated guess about what happened there. My best guess saddens me beyond belief. It is a fact that the Radic were created as a slave race to serve their masters. My belief is that the impulse towards subservience, ingrained so deeply within the biotech matrix essential to the very sapiens, was at war with the learned independence. They itched to serve, yet were violently opposed to it. Their racial pride would never allow them to admit that they couldn't dig the program needed out for this psych without lobotomizing themselves. And so, when they won their struggle and took their place in the far end of the galaxy, they simply ceased to care about their own existence. The last settlement stopped emitting signals approximately a century after the diamond died out. I wonder if they felt some kind of sour satisfaction that they had outlasted their makers. Humanity watched all of this. It chronicled what it could, out of respect for the vanished races. They left the last resting place for each race alone, but went through the abandoned ruins of every other planet for what tech they could scavenge and make use of. Humans aren't really good at that. We weren't around for this bit, of course. By we, I mean my species, the Parak. Humanity found us bumbling along as a hunter-gatherer level at our home planet. We'd barely gotten past the idea of some of the lights in the sky moved differently to other lights, when one of the lights came out of the sky and landed in the water of fire and smoke and thunder, undoubtedly scaring several shades of excrement out of my distant ancestors. Things moved fast for the parrot after that. Without quite taking out of our destiny, humanity examined us and then taught us medicine, the sciences, and how to master technology. At every step, they encouraged us to push forward and innovate in our own way. Thus, it was the Parak, in a Parak-designed aircraft, that first took powered flight into the skies of our world. That a human crewed craft was flying alongside, ready to render assistance, was immaterial. We did it in our craft, our way. Humans had surveyed our solar system, but it was the Parak who landed and explored the other planets. In Parak designed and constructed spacecraft, once we were self-sufficient in our own right, humanity stepped back and let us get on with it. A few of them hung around just to keep an eye on us, and in their own words, to see what you little guys get up to next. But in the main, we were left to develop and explore on our own. In the meantime, humanity had gone out to find another race that looked interesting. This turned out to be a reptilian Sestaran. We had nothing on Palturk that resembled them, but one of the human explorers had a record of saying, Holy crap! Spiky Velociraptors! Having associated closely with a star in many times, and also viewing representations of a velociraptor, which are apparently extinct reptiles from before humanity's tenure on the home planet, I cannot disagree with that assessment. Though more inclined to violence than Parak, the Starin learned the lesson humanity taught them, and eventually began to expand through their own voluble space.
And so, it continues to go on. I cannot help but wonder if humanity's urge to bring other species up to their level of symptom of a deeper loneliness. When they first reached the galactic stage, they sought out other races to associate with, and at the very least, to brag, Hey, see what I did, is the universal of every race that I know. But the Diamac and the Radek weren't interested, being invested in their own problems. So they found someone else to talk to, and we will be forever grateful. From the Chronicles of Jack O'Fallon, Parrock Amateur Historian Chapter 2 Excuse me, good sapient, I am Jack O'Fallon. What do you think about humanity? Trombo asked Quantumtronic's trainee and three metrics of good-natured muscle, looked up from his morning beverage. The drink had what humans called a coffee somewhere in the distant ancestry. Though the genome of the plant had supplied the beans for this drink had been somewhat altered from the original. Tromba appreciated this. He tried the human version once and decided it was far too weak. Us was a Polaron, native to a Hygie world, slow to anger and slow to violence. Polarians tended towards placidity and Tromba was no exemption. What do I think about humanity? he asked, repeating the question as if tasting it letting the words roll out in slow, thoughtful rumble. They are interesting to be around. Their brains are like fireworks. While I'm having one idea, they're having ten. But they always stop to listen to my idea and give their opinion on it. And they are patient with me. Not all races are. He paused, looking curiously at his interlocator. A meter told Parrock, Humans had likened the furry primate sounding called a sugar glider. Why do you ask this question? Because I'm curious, was the immediate answer. Tomba held back a snort of derision. Parrick were always curious. Not unlike humans, they could ask ten questions before he was done answering one. Unusually for the species, this one had yet to finish his own answer. If it wasn't for humanity, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Some people may resent that, though, so I'm going around and asking people. I understand, said the tromba. It was always worth getting a wider view before taking action. So what do you think about humanity? I like them. They could have easily made us into a servant race, as the Diamek did to the Radek, Jesko said as thoughtfully as tromba had ever heard one of his species speak. Oh, just pets. I've heard of them calling us cute so many times that it doesn't mean anything anymore. But instead, they gave us a chance to make something for ourselves. Gave us wings of metal and plastic so that we could fly right off the planet. I was never interested in space fight as a career, Tromba mused. Preferred to keep my feet on the ground. Do you actually fly? He, he understood things that paragraphs on three-dimensional geometry made them superior pilots. Only for a hobby, Jekko admitted. I do go for a glide every now and again. It's good to keep my hand in a... He broke off, his nostrils flared and his whiskers twitched. Did you feel that? I did. Tromba turned his head to the initial waves of euphoria washing over them. This is the second ascension this week. Standing up and hurriedly as he could, he left the drink where it was. There were more important priorities right then. Let us go and see. 
Hurrying side by side, the two mismatched sentients went down the street and turned the corner. There, standing in the middle of the plaza, was a glowing figure. Ascension was a phenomenon that had been appearing here and there in civilized worlds over the last century. The rate slowly increasing. There was no real pattern leading up to it, whether by race or place, but everyone to whom it occurred was known as a particularly accomplished member of the species, and it never happened to anyone who was in the middle of unfinished business. The glow was as unexplained as the actual ascension itself. No computerized optics or even ordinary image captures could register the glow, and in fact it was visible even when the eyes were closed. When out of sight, it came through as a sense of euphoria, rising sharply until the ascension was over. This time, it was a tariki. The tentacular sofant stood in the middle of the road, its multiple eye stalks turned skyward. It's beautiful, the tariki fluted, all I've ever dreamed of. Thank you, thank you all. The words trailed off, reaching the higher and higher note as the glow brightened and the feeling of euphoria intensified. An auditory hallucination, not unlike the musical note of unparalleled clarity, began to run up in scale. And then, in an instant, it was over. The light had flashed and the died away. The music faded and the Turiki's garments lay abandoned in the roadway their owner having subliminated into whatever reality the ascended would went to. All around those who had witnessed the event began to disperse, softly discussing what had happened. That was beautiful, murmured Jacko. It was, agreed Tromba. That was one of my professors at the academy. We all thought he would ascend someday. I'm glad to see that we were correct. Together, they walked in a companionable silence back to the sidewalk cafe. Chapter 3 What do you think of humanity? Jacko had asked the same question to many sapient species and dozens of worlds. He had received a wide variety of answers. Nearly all had been positive. Oddly enough, the only answer that could even remotely be considered negative had been from humans. After all... If he was polling for answers about a particular species, why not ask the member of that species? In all honesty, he expected nothing but glowing responses. He knew that was how he'd respond if someone asked him what he thought of the Parrocks as a race. They had upended against anticipations. Some had even given joke answers about the species needing improvement, while some had made serious comments regarding humanity's responsibility as the elder species in the galaxy. All had inquired as to why he was asking the question, and had looked thoughtful at his answer. Every single one of them had wished him well at his quest for understanding. Now he was asking the question of an elderly Staran, under the shady tree on a world tree thousands of light years away from the place where he'd been speaking to Tromba, the Pelerin, when the Tariki ascended. The Staran's scales were starting to fade and his bony spikes were dull and blunt. He had about him an air of someone who'd lived her life well spent. It isn't interesting that you might ask that. Vasaris... The Sistaran was called, stretched out his tail to catch a little more sunlight. It is a question that I've been thinking over these past decades. Deep behind his voice was the faint hiss that came with minimal lips and narrow tongue. But he appeared to have overcome his racial speech quirk. 
Did you know that ascension only began after humanity left their home planet and began to explore the galaxy? Jacob frowned, his mobile ears lowering. No, I didn't know that. I thought they'd always been happening. Basaris let out a sound akin to a leaking steam kettle, his species' version of laughter. Oh no, little furry youngster, no Diamek record ever made mention of ascension, neither did the Radix, and in fact, while some human legends suggest that such a thing was happening far back in their history, thousands of years before they ever left their planet, it has not happened since they ventured into the galaxy. He paused and let that point sink in. The only species whose ascend are those of us who have been assisted into the light by humanity. What? Jacko hadn't known that, either. He stupidly assumed that humans ascended just as much as anyone else, but that didn't talk about it. They don't, but they do as much good as anyone else in the galaxy. They've done more. Slowly, Fazarus shook his head. You're making a common mistake. Ascension does not happen because one has performed good deeds or particularly saintly. It comes when someone has reached a pinnacle of which they are capable, and they are satisfied with their works. And this is why humans do not ascend, because they are forever dissatisfied with even their own masterpieces, and they are never, if ever, finished with whatever they are doing. Jekka was learning a great deal today, the idea of humans boisterous, laughing, irreverent, serious, as being less than totally satisfied with the works that they had wrought upon the fabric of society in the galaxy, was ludicrous. It was only thanks to humanity that there was a fabric of society. Um, wow. Wow, indeed. There was a tinge of humor to the Sitaran's voice. Jekka blinked. The sunlight was getting bright, reflecting from the Fosaris' scales, you ask me what I think of humanity. I think they are custodians of life in the galaxy. They walk beside us, neither leading nor following, bestowing on us the resources to reach ascension, while never reaching it themselves, or even desiring it. Sistaran natives were savage warriors in the wild. Humanity taught us philosophy. That you ask me this question and listen to my answer brings me completion. It wasn't just sunlight reflecting from the Aldi Retodian scales. He was starting to glow. Jekka could feel the beginning of the euphoria common to such events. Good sapient, you. I know. I know. Vesaurus' voice was serene. I welcome this. This is good. I merely wish to complete my answer to you. Humanity is neither flightly, so to speak, as the Peric, nor as stolid as the unimaginable Polarian. They walk in the middle of the road. I'm sure that there is a phrase for it. Bless it with the common sense and foresight and the will to carry out what needs to be done. As he spoke, his voice faded into the barely audible. His expression on his face was beautiful, as the euphoria washed through Jekko's body. And then, between one heartbeat and the next, he was gone. Moisture welled up in Jekko's eyes as he surveyed the minimal ornamentation that had adorned the now-ascended Frasaris. Yes, he murmured, there is indeed a phrase for that. End of story number one.